0: Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 67. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Cert Security, and I am here with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome back to Chernobyl. Hi, Rob. We missed you last week. We, Mike Heller, senior reporter. Mike and I had an interesting discussion about DEF CON and the voting village and electronic voting hacking and all the uh, all the great stuff.
1: That must have been inspiring.
0: Yeah, I don't know if inspiring was the word that I would use. Uh, terrifying, maybe. But speaking of DEF CON, we are sitting down today to talk about a an important issue, a, a controversial issue, and one that has a lot of questions around it. This is kind of a, it's a really fascinating case. It's a really messy case. And I'm talking about the case of Marcus Hutchins, AKA, MalwareTech, the 23-year-old, formerly anonymous, uh, security researcher who uh, runs his own, you know, runs his own security site, MalwareTech.com, and also works for a Los Angeles-based cybersecurity firm, uh, CryptosLogic, and who became tech famous, InfoSec famous? Sure, that, that works. I mean he he became very well known, very well respected because of his work on the WannaCry ransomware and yeah, he was seen as a as a hero for helping to develop a, a sinkhole that s- stopped a lot of the spreading of the WannaCry ransomware. He didn't he didn't solve it he didn't stop it. He didn't save people that were infected with it, but uh, he and another security researcher, uh, Matt switch I believe was the other uh, individual who we've, we've talked about here on the podcast uh, before. He actually did the Shadow Brokers uh, session at, at Black Hat. That was uh, pretty interesting. But they, they created a, a sinkhole to basically uh, stop any uh uh, domain requests for the domain that the attackers were using for the WannaCry ransomware. It was a really dumb move on the part of the attackers, uh, the, whoever developed the WannaCry ransomware and how they were going about uh, trying to infect people. But but there you have it. I mean, and he became such a big deal that the press, remember this? The press... Doxed them. Doxed them. They, well, they they outed, I mean, doxed. I, did they? Oh, they showed up at his house. Yeah. Oh, they did. They. Yeah, that is true. So I guess, yeah, they gave up his address. And so his anonymity disappeared. And then lo and behold, uh, a few weeks later, he shows up at, at Black Hat DEFCON, hangs out in Vegas for a few days, for a week or whatever. Had a good time. It Had a good like. time, um, mixing and mingling with his security colleagues, uh, InfoSec community, and is at McCarran Airport in Las Vegas on his way to head home and
1: got arrested.
0: Yeah. The feds show up and they arrest him and charge him. Although I guess we should note that there was some confusion about what exactly went on. We didn't get the details about what he, who had him, whether or not he was detained or arrested or charged. For about a day, I guess this went on where you know, That's some friends, if concerned friends and colleagues, are saying we, we don't know where he went. We don't know what's going on. Uh, he wasn't tweeting. He wasn't tweeting, which he usually does. Yeah, he has a he has a a, a very active Twitter account. Um, and then we should say that that his stuff is real. Like he he's written a lot, obviously recently about uh, ransomware. He wrote about the Petia Not Petia ransomware. He wrote obviously stuff about research about the WannaCry ransomware. But there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here. Mirai Botnet, Drydex, uh, Kelios uh, Botnet. There's just, man, there's a lot of good stuff on his blog, a lot of good stuff on his Twitter account. So, but they, they arrested him and they charged him with basically being the co mastermind, I guess, of the uh, Kronos banking Trojan, which emerged overseas and wreaked havoc on a number of financial institutions. And was, uh, was a was a was pretty bad news for a while, but was it? Because
1: I seem to recall people saying Chronos. What's that?
0: Yes, I it, mean, and not just
1: not regular people, but people who are also cyber sec yes. security stars, yes, heroes, yes, and so on. So, and and it wasn't a problem in the United States, or was it? No,
0: no. As far as I can tell, and I've I've done some digging on this, Chronos did not affect any. US organizations unless unless there was there was a branch office or something over in uh, the affected regions where where it was you know where it was was directed and so yeah this this case you, you basically have a a security researcher a hacker community and when I say hacker I don't mean black hat cyber criminal you know what I mean I think most people know what I mean. But you had this superstar, this this kid, kid. he's 23 years old. He's not a kid, he's a, he's a young man. You have this young man who uh, achieved um, uh, unwanted fame, but notoriety and respect and was being called a hero. And now you turn around and, he, and he's under the thumb of, of the FBI and the federal government and the DOJ. And this case, man, this has a lot of questions, a lot of questions about what's going on here. So, so he was charged, Peter, with six counts of computer crimes. I think two counts of uh, related to the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and wiretapping. Uh, apparently wiretapping charges operating a wiretapping device or advertising or selling wiretapping device. And I guess they count a Trojan, like a like malware, as a a wiretapping device, which is interesting. See. which we get into later? Sure. Uh, so, and I'll read the indictment here because it's 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 interesting. It's basically right off the bat. What I mean, I guess I should back up. You know, reading the indictment, what was the first thing? that you noticed
1: yeah the blacked out name who who was the co-conspirator
0: <laughs> the co- co-conspirator the, the unnamed defendant um
1: what was the uh there was a term from watergate unindicted co-conspirator
0: oh unindic- that's right oh well this co-conspirator apparently is indicted too so, uh, as far as we know yes we, we don't know I mean, I yes, know. yes, yes. I believe uh, motherboard was the first uh, outlet to find out that Hutchins had been detained or arrested or what, and was potentially going to be charged for something. CNN was the first to report that he was being that he had been arrested and was being charged by the FBI for I think the Kronos malware, and they had the indictment. The indictment basically says, United States of America, the blank and Marcus Hutchins, AKA uh, malware tech. And we don't know anything about this other individual. All we know is uh, that they're a defendant, that their name has been redacted and that they used online aliases, but those aliases have been redacted. Obviously it wouldn't make much sense if you redacted the name and then left the aliases in there, right? Although that's something I could see the government doing. So. The overt acts as described in the indictment are uh, uh, Defendant Marcus Hutchins created the Kronos malware. That's like the first one. And then it says, on or about July 13th, 2014, a video showing the functionality of the Kronos banking trojan was posted to a publicly available website. I believe it was YouTube. Defendant Blank. Mr. X used the video to demonstrate how Kronos worked in yeah. and around August, 2014 on an internet forum defendant, Mr. X offered to sell the Kronos banking Trojan for $3,000. And then it goes on to say that in February, 2015, Marcus Hutchins and blank updated the Kronos malware and April 29th two, uh, 2000, 2015, Mr. X using the name blank, advertised the availability of the Kronos malware on the AlphaBay forum. And then in 2015, sold a version of the uh, Kronos malware in exchange for approximately $2,000 in digital currency. We assume it's uh, Bitcoin. So there's all these charges, and primarily most of them involve the redacted name, Mr. X, as we are referring to him. But they're charging uh, Hutchins malware tech with creating the the Kronos malware, which is interesting. So, after the indictment, there's the question about who is this other person and what's going on there. What did you think when you found out that there was another person involved, an unindicted co-conspirator as you said, but obviously they really are indicted. Well, okay, so the thing is, as you
1: mentioned, most of the action in this indictment is on this, you know, the unidentified co-conspirator. Yes. Um, The things that they allege that Hutchins did seem just a sub-portion of the whole thing. Right. And they don't necessarily seem to me to indicate uh, culpability in a crime other than the fact that there's this code and it was used, it's sort of like saying that if you built a sort of like saying, okay, you created this thing and then you gave it to somebody else or sold it, and they use it for something bad. Yeah. Now, gun companies don't get indicted for, for that. They're, they're they sure of, don't. <laughs> their stuff gets used to people kill people try, all the people time. try, yeah. But right, but I mean, there's, there's right. actual federal laws that yeah. prevent that because, yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, let's not go down right, that hole. Right, right. But... Um, so yeah, the the question is what what is it that they're actually suggesting that Marcus did? It's that's that's culpable and that's that's prosecutable. Yeah. And uh, it's not really clear. It's he, not clear at all.
0: Right. He didn't it doesn't sound like from the indictment that he did the release or the sale or committed any of the attacks that he merely wrote the code and I guess now is a good time to bring up that conspicuous tweet that follows the same that happens in sort of the same general timeline as the indictment laid out but there's a there's a tweet and I think you know which one I'm referring to I Peter. do I do It's definitely noteworthy and this people are cluing into this almost immediately saying wait what's going on here but on On July 13th, 2014, he tweeted, quote, anyone got a Kronos sample? Seems odd. Kronos is already out, right? Around that time, and it's it's affecting people. Why is he asking for a sample? I mean, he's a security researcher. He's gonna ask for a sample, but if he's the one that created it, doesn't he already have a sample? a little odd.
1: Yeah, but I mean, this is the kind of thing that when you get into a courtroom, the prosecutor says, now you may be wondering why he would ask a question. Why Mm -hmm. would he be asking for something that he obviously already has if he's guilty of this crime? And I'll tell you why. And the reason is because he's trying to cover up his tracks.
0: That's some impressive tradecraft. If he's he's like planting seeds for an alibi (laughs) three years ahead of time, like I mean, perhaps,
1: but at the same time, there's a lot of craziness floating around in the air these days.
0: Yeah. And, and specifically so specifically about this case,
1: specifically about this case, but in general, just all around yeah. the yeah. country. And it's 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 bad. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. I don't I don't see a prosecutor giving up that possibility of explain of of framing it in those terms because that's what prosecutors do. They make you look like you're a criminal. Yeah. And hopefully they're doing it just to people who actually are criminals. Right. But not they don't always do that. Yeah. And and then on top of all that, there's a whole other issue, which we could probably talk about for five episodes, about computer crime. Yeah. And you know, is it is it fair to say that what Hutchins did assuming what he's accused of doing is worth putting him away for 40 years when people are murdering and raping and stealing and and, yeah. and looting uh, pension funds and all kinds of other harmful things. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And the the, the the maximums for those things are not necessarily even close to 40 years.
0: Yeah, it's so true. It's so sad.
1: there's a certain amount of demonization of, of people who are... know, so-called computer criminals. Oh, they're evil.
0: Well, and and in this case, we should note that they, the federal prosecutors here, Well, first of all, the the FBI and the DOJ don't bring cases like this unless they think they're going to win. This doesn't mean, like, I'm not going to say they don't bring cases like this unless they have something, because sometimes they have something and they're completely wrong and it wouldn't be the first time that the federal government tries to bring about cyber crime or cyber, ha- you know, uh, hacking uh, charges against an individual and they completely, or, or any type of, you know, uh, uh, piracy claims or anyth- anything like and they completely blow up in the government's face.
1: Well, so I just wanted to point, I, I, I looked this up because yeah. I remembered, it tri- tripped my mind a little bit. Mm. Um, at Black Hat, our senior uh, reporter, Michael, Yes. Sat down and talked to David West, who is assistant right. section chief of the FBI Cyber Division, operational section four. And they talked about gathering evidence mm. in cyber crimes. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that and we hear the FBI talk about this and, and U.S. attorneys and, and people who are in the Justice Department, they talk about what it is you know what their records are and like how they're they don't bring cases unless they're going to win right and that's essentially what he said yeah. he said if we're looking at, at at the evidence and we don't think he did it we can't present to a US attorney to take it to court because by the time it gets to court we've gone through the burden of proof mm. and david west said we have basically collected the evidence that we believe will withstand any scrutiny and we can beyond a reasonable doubt that this person committed the crime that they're charged with. And I mean when you when you read up about interviews with the, uh, attorneys general and uh, FBI people that's they don't like to have 5050 they're not, they no. don't, they're not no, looking no, to no, bat 300 yeah they're looking to bat a yeah. thousand and if they and, and they and that's what they do if they can't win the case yeah. because there's something really wrong with it chances are they usually drop it right. And I mean, they dropped stuff, they dropped some pretty heinous, heinous uh, charges against people because they didn't, not because they didn't think they could prove it, right. but because it would have exposed their network investigative technique that they were using to uh, to break Tor anonymity.
0: Yeah. So I mean,
1: that's a whole other thing. But I know. But the point is that these guys try not to bring cases that they can't lose because it looks bad for them and yeah. it messes up their promotions and all. So but y- you that's sad. Yeah, the point, the, the the bottom line here is that there are some que- there are a lot of questions I think that can be raised on this one, and I and and people, attorneys have gone on record saying this is aggressive on the part of the United States attorneys. Um, they're, they're, it's it's generally just a bad look, and all I can think of because everything these days is tinged by. Politics. Yeah. All I can imagine is that somebody in the FBI talked talk to somebody at the Justice Department, and they happened to be looking at Twitter, perhaps, and they saw that Marcus Hutchins, this guy who was involved with this thing, was tweeting from Las Vegas, and here's this guy who normally lives in the U.K., and they've gone through this whole extradition process with Laurie Love yeah. over the last year or so. That has been kind of a nightmare for yeah. these people yeah. because— this another guy who's who's facing massive amounts of time yeah. in federal prison for stuff that is questionable. Um, same kind of situation, mm. and and I can only imagine. This is what's been going through my mind that I haven't been talking about in the office. Is that here's a guy? They know where he is. They know what he's been doing. They can they they think they have a case a, a, a moderate case against him. But they figure they can take him without having to go through extradition, go through a lot of legal discoveries and stuff like that with with uh, the United Kingdom. He, there he is. Why not just grab him and see what they can shake out of him? And I mean, I I kind of hope that's the case because otherwise, if they have a really strong airtight case against this guy, it's it's not going to turn out well for. For mr Hutchins. yeah i'm but, sad to say no and i,
0: I agree but I, I again you mentioned the you know the Tor case and you know obviously they've they the fbi dropped charges in in, in that manner because they don't want to divulge how they got Tor access. they've seized child pornography sites and kept them running as sort of a honeypot for so so he the, in this case, they threw the book at this guy and they said this is like a historic transgression, you know, c- computer crime or whatever. They sought to revoke bail. I'm reading from the, the August 4th hearing that I mean, it's really it, it's fascinating. Like they, they're portraying this guy as like a like a public enemy, number one. They're saying he tweeted about visiting, you know, shooting guns at a gun range in Las Vegas. We think he's a danger to the community and a flight risk because he's, you know, a U.K. national. But he like I mean, his company is based in the U.S. So so they really they're really going hard at this guy. Uh, And it's just. But it's clear, like like you said, from that indictment that the, the primary person is Mr. X is this redacted name. And so, so I know when this first came up, I said that, oh, there's a, a redacted name. And what I thought, if you recall, when we first discussed this, I said, oh, they got this guy, because they know his name, and they have his aliases, and they know what's going on, and they seem to have all the facts, uh, but they're redacting it because he helped them. He, he informed, and that's how they got Hutchins. But that doesn't really make much sense because why would you – if if Hutchins is the co-conspirator, but all he did was sort of create the malware, I mean, I guess I could see them – you know, the Fed's doing that. But it still didn't – it didn't entirely make sense to me. So – but but clearly, like, the, the reason they redacted the name was because they know who this person is. Like, if they didn't know who it was, they would say anonymous, you know – conspirator or John Doe or whoever Uh, so but there's a lot of legal experts now who are saying they're going on they're going so hard on Hutchins because they don't have that guy they don't have mr. X Hmm. they want mr. X and they think that going after Hutchins and throwing a book at him is gonna get them what they want that seems plausible to me, it's it's
1: another opportunity to distract from the real cyber issues.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so that, you know, again, it's the kind of thing where if you're grasping at straws and you see a straw, you're going to grab at it.
0: Yeah. And I, I so th- there's some more questions here we should, we should get to. Ah, uh, yes. Wisconsin. That's where this is, the Eastern District of Wisconsin is where that where, this case is being tried where he was whisked off to. And so far we don't have any sort of clear reason as to why it's in Wisconsin. At first we thought, I said, oh, that's where, you know, Mr. X or conspirator number one is and that's and they brought charges against him and they, whatever, that's why it's there. But that doesn't seem to be the reason. Another thing that's interesting is why is this case being tried at all in the U.S. when? Kronos didn't attack U.S. victims. What's what's yeah. What is going on? What's the reasoning there? And then there's the alphabet factor. Now. This this is a huge dark web website and it was. It was taken down last month we're recording this for, say August 14th a Monday we're recording on a Monday usually record on a on a Friday but so much going on with this case that we pushed it that site was taken down last month the appa- according to the FBI announcement on this they seized they arrested the the, the proprietor and uh, seized the servers in the earlier earlier in the month in in um in July I think the, let's see the, uh, yeah. The announcement from the FBI was on July 20th. They said in early July, multiple computer servers used by the AlphaBay website were seized worldwide. And the site's creator and administrator, a 25 year old Canadian citizen living in Thailand was arrested. We now know the uh, administrator and creators, unfortunately dead. So I thought to myself, oh, they seized Alpha Bay. they got the servers, they found evidence pointing to this and in, in it and then they turned it around. That seems like a quick turnaround though. Like let's say you know, early July, July, 4th of July weekend, sure. And they they you know, a week later, July 11th, they have this guy indicted. It's, I know he wasn't arrested until after DEFCON, but that, that's, a, that's a quick turnaround. I mean, the FBI, the DOJ, they're working on tons and tons of cases. You've got a lot of stuff to sort out. You have reams and reams of evidence that you're probably getting from the Alpha Bay website. And this is where it gets even more interesting. So in the, in the hearing, the August 4th hearing, the prosecutors uh, gave a little bit of detail about the case. They said, Among the evidence that the government will present at his trial will be that there are chat logs in which Mr. Hutchins discusses with an associate the sale of the Kronos banking Trojan through his associate splitting the proceeds of the Kronos Trojan uh, with his associate where he complains about the amount of money that he received for the sale of the banking Trojan and where he received a request from that associate to update the Kronos banking Trojan. This is where it gets interesting, Peter. Quote, the associate in these chats is the person from whom the law enforcement agents purchased the Kronos Trojan on Alpha Bay, as specified in the indictment. They know who the associate is, but they don't have him yet. That seems strange. If that was their go-to guy, like their point of contact for all of this, the primary source of all this evidence. So clearly they had gotten into Alpha Bay Either covertly as undercover agents, or they had already started to seize it, and they have all this information. But we're still in the dark about why it's in Wisconsin, why it's in the U.S. at all, who this third party is, why they're going so hard at Hutchins, and where this this other guy is. I we call him a guy because we you know.
1: Yes, you know. thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. That was kind of bugging me. <laughs> Thanks. I'm, I'm I'm hyper aware these days. But the, th- the so those are all good questions, and it makes me wonder: Is this guy a confidential informant, or is he an actual near well who got caught up? But it does sound like he like which he guy, Mister uh, Mr. X, Mister Mister or, a- yeah. Mr. M- or, or uh, Citizen X? Let's Citizen call Citizen X. Okay. Um, but yes, so so this this threat actor was the one who was selling the the, random, Doing the the selling and the, the
0: the malware and the distribution and who knows you know what else if he actually was committing any attacks or if he just sold it to the actual threat actors who who used it which is what it seems like but right
1: but yes it definitely does seem like this is a person who is looking to save their own skin
0: somehow or some way whether they yeah whether they are are on the run and in, in hiding now or whether they did get you know maybe they did get caught and maybe they did say well, here's here's Hutchins. It it is weird though because thinking that like somebody who's so smart about infosec, if these charges are true, how Hutchins could be like communicate like, do you know what I'm saying? Like how he could be communicating about this stuff and have it be traced back to him. I know people think that Alpha Bay is like this, but you got to be smarter than this. I mean, this guy writes about all this stuff on Tor and all this other stuff. Like he he knows anonymity is. And if you're not using encrypted communications to communicate, like to, to go back and forth about selling malware, that seems a little odd, right? Yeah. The, but people make mistakes. I don't know. It's true. Yeah. And But on the other
1: hand, the, there's an, uh, I think the people who are using Tor often assume that what they are doing is, is encrypted because Tor encrypts. Tor does encrypt
0: everything, but at the, right. at the end point, it's decrypted. Yeah, but do you still think people think that way? Like I don't think people think that way anymore. People that know security, it I don't know. It's kind of easy to, to forget sometimes. Yeah, maybe. But but
1: again, it, I think I think some of their evidence is is pointing to somebody using the the Nim Yeah. malware tech. But it was it was some uh, nickname or or uh, alias that marcus hutchins has used in the past but he disavowed like right those, there were tweets where people were saying yep. yep um is this you and he said no somebody's using that i guess yeah. that's, a, that's a, a an alias that i've sure. used but that's not me because i'm not i'm not doing i'm not there or whatever it is but again it's the kind of thing where if you if you present as evidence something that can't be authenticated uh other than by saying well this is this is the chat log, and yeah. this is and somebody going by the the alias, Malware tech or Rob Wright or Peter Lotion. God, I hope not. Is that no. shouldn't be uh, um, that shouldn't be admissible as evidence it's beyond not, a reasonable doubt because yeah, there is not this enough. huge reasonable right. doubt. there.
0: Yeah, I could. I mean, I could use your name and go on Alpha Bay right now. while well, Alpha is toast, but you know what I'm saying. Right, uh, Hansa. Well, and, and so to circle back and kind of close it out here when I mean, we said the FBI and the DOJ don't normally bring cases like this if they don't think that they can win if they so this is this is the latest so Hutchins pled not guilty uh, there was rumors that or reports that oh the the, the there will likely be a plea deal and much of that was based off of Legal experts saying, "Oh, he's not the primary. The primary target is the is the Mister X, and they'll probably dangle something in front of him, and he'll do it, and uh, and this will all be resolved. Regardless, he initially the prosecutors sought to have him, you know, no bail, no travel, flight risk, ankle bracelet, no computer access whatsoever. Now." He gets, after this hearing, he gets his, he can travel. Within the US. Within the US, yeah, yeah. He can not go back to the UK. Uh, he can travel within the US. His travel is generally unrestricted. He has to wear an ankle, you know, GPS locator or whatever, wherever they put that thing now. He has internet access restored. So, so a guy that they were saying is this catastrophic hacker, you know, oh yeah, you, you can totally use the internet. <laughs> But the one thing he can't do, Peter, is he can't access the WannaCry sinkhole? So he can't touch that. No, what does that have to do with anything? That is a really good I mean, question. Like what like why isn't one of the stipulations in that agreement you can't have any contact with the co like you can't go on any dark websites. You can't you can't touch Kronos. You can't update Kronos. You can't have any. You can't even come within three hops, hops, as they say in the Intel community, of of Kronos. Or if you do, you're back in the slammer. None of that. It's you can't touch the WannaCry Cry sinkhole. What is going on here? That is, that's odd. Like like maybe they they think so so little of this guy that they think he'll turn around and say, "Well, I'll turn this off if you don't let me go," <laughs> or. Because I can't think of a reason why they would include that unless they thought he was culpable with with WannaCry, which, you know, I know that that theory has been thrown about. I don't, there's no evidence to that right now. And I think that's reckless, reckless speculation. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, so for all the, 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 you know, the, the hardline approach that the government has taken with Hutchins has gotten whittled down to, oh yeah, just don't touch the sinkhole. (laughs) You can do whatever you want. You want to go back to Vegas, shoot some guns, go bungee jumping. He didn't break any laws. Do, do shooting a little, guns, gambling. He he didn't. No. He was
1: at a at a shooting
0: range. Yeah, they, a shooting range. He
1: paid his money and right. got in like everybody. But else he's
0: did. A, he's apparently a danger to the community. Wow. Good grief. Anyway, so that's where the case stands right now. There are going to be big big questions once this is resolved one way or the other about what this is going to do to. The government's relationship with the infosec community, secu- independent security researchers, or secu- security researchers like Hutchins, who you know are quasi-independent—you know, he works for Cryptologic, but he has—he's doing other stuff on the side. What it means about like coming up with an, an exploit or a proof of concept exploit, proof of concept malware, like you could be held culpable for it without sort of any demonstration of intent. Like that's serious.
1: Well, I mean, what about things like uh, uh, network sniffers, like Wireshark or TCP dump? I mean, that's part of yeah,
0: that's part of Linux, yeah, and
1: Unix. I mean, no, I those those are tools that you can use to
0: yeah. And what is this going to mean long term for our our own government agents who are developing exploits, who are selling, uh, not selling but sharing exploits that are using exploits mm-hmm. that that could be buying malware. Uh, you know just to test it or, or to repurpose it like is that a crime and it like at its heart like just on its own is that a crime I, I don't big implications here and obviously you know we've gone on long enough and probably should wrap up but yeah i agree yeah peter rob this was an interesting conversation yes thank you for joining me thank you for coming back to chernobyl Always glad to we be. didn't get radioactive in here. It's not it's not too overheated, but and thank you to the readers and listeners of search security. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.